It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. We're back again, it, you know, against all odds. Here's the 11 Dubcast yet again <laughs> to your ears, from our lips to your ears, uh, the 11 Dubcast. Gotta love the hustle. Hey, you know, we've got like two more weeks here of no Ohio State football. And then we will have Ohio State football against, again, also against all odds. Yes, very much against all yeah. odds. <laughs> so that's fun. And, and, I, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about college football and, and some of the other games. I, I'm getting used to Ohio State not playing while their teams are playing. I'm getting tired of it, but it's it's one of those things where I just, I don't know, like I've said before, it's hard for me to bring myself to care all that much. So I've been hanging on every tiniest morsel of football information that a notoriously, you know, reticent to share information <laughs> program has released like i i am on top of everything that has been happening uh with ohio state just because i need i need that sustenance in my life hey but here's the thing i gotta say you know in defense of a season without ohio state playing you know until week what seven or no week eight i guess yeah unbeaten ohio state is still atop the sp plus rankings at espn so you know (laughs) Uh, I, I, I think they're going to continue to hold serve over the field in my favorite metric of how good the local football team is. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't feel like they're going to slip. They're just that talented. So we'll get into that. We'll get into talking about some rankings and whatnot. I want to talk briefly about something that I think relates really strongly to an article that I wrote last week which is I talked about rites of passage and how the black stripe was kind of this rite of passage that Ohio State's developed over time. And uh, I brought in a little bit of Jim Trestle action. And by the way, in, in my article, I mentioned um, Jim Trestle's coaching website that he had in the mid-aughts. And obviously it's defunct. You can't go to it now. You type in jimtressel.com and it, it redirects you to nowhere. But you can use the archive.org Wayback Machine to take a little bit of a glimpse into Jim Tressel's world in like 2005 and 2007. And it's fascinating what's on there. And one of the things that's on there is the criteria that they use to award Buckeye Leaves, which is incredibly Tressilian, I guess you would say, yes. in how exacting it is. They're, they're incredibly specific criteria for the punt team, the return team, for running backs, linebackers, offensive linemen, everybody's got an incredibly specific criteria for how they're awarded a Buckeye Leaf. And it's great. It's really interesting to watch. So I I would recommend that you put in jimtrestle.com and the Wayback Machine and check that out. So I wrote about that. I wrote about the traditions that Ohio State's kind of developed over time to show advancement and recognize excellence and all that good stuff. And lo and behold, over the past couple of days, we've gotten more information about the uh, the number zero, which is going to be worn uh, for the first time by Ohio State player, uh, Jonathan Cooper, who I, which I think is an excellent choice. And, you know, they talk, Ohio State media has been pumping this out, and they, they talk about his connection to Bill Willis, which is unbelievable, you know, block, quote, unquote, block O, right, because he's considered to be, like, you know, one of the progenitors of, of great Ohio State football and, of course, broke the color barrier in the NFL. Um, I'm, I'm stoked about this. I, sometimes people kind of roll their eyes at things like this that are, you know, ceremonial or, you know, maybe just have like some kind of like, okay, there's a little meaning. And so we're going to get into it. I love these things. This 
is what, in my opinion, makes college football college football. So I am super pumped that they're doing this and also super pumped for uh, Jonathan Cooper because that's, that's cool that he gets to, to start that tradition. I think it's yeah. great. Very cool for Jonathan and, and the connection to uh, Bill Willis is, is fantastic as well. One of the, the, the all-time great, great dudes um, in the sport. You know, but one of the things I find interesting about these traditions, when you start a new tradition, I, I think many of them just seem hokey to begin with because you know, you're trying to – it depends on if it comes from – like a genuine place versus, Hey, we need a tradition. Let's manufacture something like that's right. always the line of demarcation. And the perfect example of that was a few years ago when the university said they were going to build a clock tower on North campus. <laughs> and like in the press release, they referred to it as like, you know, this will become an iconic tradition on campus. Like they use right. some really like high handed phrase. And I read it and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. You know, people are going to say, Oh wow, this great <laughs> clock tower we have yeah it looks like garbage to, too by the way that's the worst part about it not only is it completely forced and dumb like nobody nobody would look at it and go "Ooh, i love this clock tower this is my favorite clock tower like that sucks as as opposed to something like the long walk which you know develops organically over time it's not like university fathers 100 years ago said hey you know what i bet if we put the statue of old man oxley over here and we put the seal over here and we tell people <laughs> that when they walk from here to there, it'll be good luck going there, sweetheart. You know, like you, you don't just put that out in a press release. It's one of those things right. that, you know, develops over time. And then it's like, oh, this is one of our great, or, you know, Orton Hall. You know, that, that's another, like, I don't think they set out and said, this will be this really important building and you all get with the program. It's like, no, it just develops over time. And then people have this affinity for Orton Hall and the chimes. And, you know, you hear legends about being able to get the key from somebody who knew somebody and go right. up into the bell tower, you know, things like that. It just, it just happens. So when you bring it back to sports, things like the, the black stripe removal, and you know, there are some of those things. I remember when they launched quick cows, like uh -huh. the first time I saw quick cows, I'm like, well, that's the most underwhelming thing I've ever seen. You know, it is. And it continues to be the most underwhelming thing you've ever seen. And, but they played it up like, oh, this is, you know, quick cows. This is going to be a big deal. I'm like, oh, okay. Everybody's got some sort of reaction drill. But, like, you don't need to send out a press release that this is our new thing. Right. This deal with, with the number zero, like, I, I think that's cool. Some different programs around the country. And that's the other thing that you have to be mindful of. Like, some programs have traditions tied to the awarding of specific jersey numbers. You know, whether it's, hey, this was so-and-so's number or this number means mm -hmm. this in our team culture. Uh, so you've got to be careful that you're not ripping off even, even unintentionally, I guess, or with the best of intentions, maybe somebody else's tradition. Um, but you want it to be more organic than that. But when you have like, you know, a nice story like this and there's the connection, um, then, then you hope that people get on board with it. I'm big on hokey schlocky. Like I'm a sucker for kind of these romantic uh, traditions also, but uh, I do get a little cynical about some of them when it's, Hey, we sent out the press release and declared you all will get on board with this new thing. I hope this one works out and that people like it. And, and I think it will because the awarding of something like Jersey number zero is pretty cool. And players will, I think really gravitate to that because they want to. Oh yeah. That number. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing, like Ohio state, obviously you can make the connection between block O and, you know, yeah, for sure. And whatnot. So you've already got kind of that synergy already with branding. 
the thing about quick cows, quick cows suck. They're, they're terrible. They're stupid. It looks dumb when you're doing them. There's nothing like hype about it. You just, okay, you're, you're kind of in a, a crouch position and you move your arms a little bit while somebody blows a whistle. Like it's really stupid. But as much as I despise quick cows, I do have to respect the fact that they continue to happen <laughs> and students continue to participate in them. Yeah. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter. Think about these types of traditions or rites of passage or whatever else you want to call them. They, they rely on people participating. They rely on the buy-in from the people that they're targeted to. And it, even if they're stupid and dumb, as long as people are doing them, they're going to continue to perpetuate. The thing about the Block O stuff, I, that's going to happen regardless because it's a cool number and people are going to want it. But Cooper is such a good person for to start this tradition if that makes sense. i mean you got a yeah, fifth year senior sure. captain he's missing you know he misses time because of an injury this is a person that people have been really rooting for and wanting to see do well on the field so yeah that's i mean jonathan cooper getting that is is appropriate and i think you can pick a number of different players in ohio state history who would be appropriate for something like that. You know, somebody who's hung around the program and battled injuries and finally sees the field and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's what people want to see. And you can easily make that part of a, you know, a preseason tradition where people get really hyped up. You can do something at the spring game even um, to say like, okay, this is going to be a guy who we recognize as, you know, probably one of our team captains going forward. For sure. Somebody who represents our values and all that stuff. So, you know, I'm I'm stoked about it. I think it's a cool, authentic thing. There's a there's a nice history connection right to it, which is something that I always dig. So overall, I think this is cool as hell. Congrats to John Cooper for being able to wear that. Um, and you know, I I also just think it's kind of badass, especially Ohio State, and you get to wear the zero and the block zero kind of format. Yes. Everything about it's awesome, and uh, yeah, I'm 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 pretty excited about it, and I hope that Ryan Day, and this is the other thing that I kind of mentioned in my article, but Ryan Day putting and continuing to put his unique stamp on the program and, and make something that's truly his and not necessarily a combination of Jim Tressel and Urban Meyer stuff. Because, you know, a lot of, the, a lot of these things, Quick Cows, Black Stripe, other stuff, that, that's a holdover from other eras. And um, I like the idea of, of Ryan Day being able to kind of create something that's really uniquely his. And it's interesting so. to see the things that don't carry over from one administration to the next. You <laughs> yes, know? So like, I don't, I don't think we do Friday night lights anymore. Right. Like that's not no. a, that's not a thing uh, or whatever they called that. It was that, then what they called it Friday night lights. Yeah. Um, like that didn't seem to be a thing that Ryan Day felt needed to continue, which I, at, at the first I was kind of surprised. He was like, Oh, that seemed like an event people got hyped out about. Um, I, I do want to say something about uh, Jonathan Cooper that, that I totally agree with uh, what you were saying about him being the perfect person to be uh, patient zero with block O here. It, it, I like the Ryan Day quote. Um, you know, he's tough. He's accountable. He loves the university, loves the great state of Ohio. Like that's, that's exactly what you want to, to embody uh, in a tradition like this. And kudos to Ryan Day again for reaffirming kind of all those things that are very Ohio state specific. It reminds you of, you know, something like a Jim Tressel would say when you talk about, you know, being tough and accountable and loving the university and the state, uh, you know, making that connection to its Ohio state is a representative of the great state of Ohio, not just Columbus or right. Central Ohio or whatever. It's, it's, it's everybody's university. It's everybody's team. I love that. Yeah. So yeah, hats off to Cooper. And I think he's going to have a great, great season. I think uh, zero is going to be one of those, 
coveted jersey numbers for for a long time do you know if uh did the ncaa put any rules on who can wear that or is it open to everybody that's a good question i actually don't know um i would hope it's open to everybody because i i mean i absolutely want to see an offensive lineman where right zero. right uh that is yeah or even a quarterback um well that's what i was I thinking like you know that'd be it, it just i was i was picturing different players you know where at different positions wearing the number and you know, that would be kind of cool and and i'll admit you know when the news first came out i the, the bill willis connection threw me for a second because i'm like that that obviously wasn't his number but then i remembered you know we retired number 99 which was his number which was also very cool and appropriate um given right. given the barriers he broke and and accomplishments in his career so then i was like okay this makes sense uh, as to why why we're why we're making this kind of uh you know in in his honor and uh, yeah like you say hats off to ryan day and and the program continues to be innovative and do cool things so yeah and that's and, you know it, it feels it feels fun it's organic that's the kind of stuff i like uh speaking of zeros um <laughs> ohio state hasn't played any games i don't know if anybody's realized this yet uh, at the ap in in college i mean you did know, you miss the, the part poll. where i said they are uh unbeaten yet i mean yeah unlike this <laughs> continuing to be unbeaten undefeated what's however uh the ap poll did give up the ghost and decided to stop giving them first place votes <laughs> Uh, which is pretty hilarious, but they didn't drop them at all in the rankings, which is also funny. I was, I was looking forward to Ohio state walking into week eight with like, you know, five or six first place votes. They still have them. They still have them in the coaches poll, which mean the is the sports information director poll. That's, yeah, exactly. Yes. That's what I so, like to call that. <laughs> that's right. So two, two SIDs are sitting there copying and pasting their poll <laughs> from week to week. Um, which and, is what I think a lot of us think happens just in general, yeah. right? Well, it's, yeah, I feel it's, Buckeyes it's, moved up a spot. I don't know if you caught that, you know, in the coaches poll, uh, holding Pat in the AP, but up a spot in the coaches poll. Hoorah. That's right. So not too bad. And again, this is all stupid. I mean, there, you know what I mean? Like there isn't a whole lot that we can actually glean from uh, Ohio state having zero games played and all the teams around them having at least three. I want to believe that Ohio state is clearly head and shoulders above all these teams, which I, you know, again, I, I think they're going to be very, very good, but I, I don't know what's going to happen next week. I really feel like the dam's going to break a little bit and they might go down. I just, my biggest wish with all of this is that they maintain their lead over Cincinnati and let's say Cincinnati goes four and zero, and Ohio state still is ranked higher than them in the in the polls the amount of salt from southwestern ohio that that would generate is going to be glorious that that has to happen i absolutely need a universe in which ohio state has played zero games and cincinnati's been undefeated through four and still cannot advance in the rankings i I mean it's i mean it's going to happen right because look at it this way Uh, cincinnati is three and oh and and still sitting at number 10 in the rankings they moved up one spot after winning their third game of the season. Now, I, you know, in fairness, they're, they're eighth in the AP poll. They're eighth in the AP poll. So it's, I think it, they're within striking distance, but I just, I don't think they're going to get there. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 the coaches poll um, amazes me because yeah, you've got Cincinnati there at 10 when you have Ohio state and Penn state who in fairness, I think both probably are better teams than Cincinnati. And that's what those voters obviously are signaling with their votes, <laughs> but you have those two, 
not only unbeaten, but uh, uh, have no wins in their record either, sitting two and five spots respectively ahead of, of Cincinnati and one loss Florida now also ahead of them when they're undefeated at three and oh yeah the AP poll is a little different picture um because you have Cincinnati there you say at eight so they're there that's a much more reasonable I guess is the word they've got them ahead of Penn State and now one loss Florida so yeah. I, I'm a little you know it's one thing when you've got because you can't you, you might sit there if you're a Cincinnati fan and be like well we're better than let's say North Carolina as an example, or we're better than Oklahoma state because nobody plays defense in the big 12 and <laughs> whatnot. But, but it's, it's harder to argue that than it is, Hey, why are we behind Penn state and Ohio state <laughs> who haven't played a game? Right. And you know, I've said before that all of this is super, super just ridiculous because of, <laughs> you know, the fact that it's just tea leaves, nobody really knows exactly what's going on. And, and to my point i think one of the biggest examples of that is florida and, and texas a&m and you know you look at these teams and you go okay well clearly one wasn't as good as people thought and the other one is is better than people thought and yet in, in both rankings florida still ranked higher than the That's aggies insane. so i no. just all i'm saying is is that you look at this stuff on a week-to-week basis and it feels just as silly and ridiculous as it would in the regular season uh, and I, I think that's honestly how the pollsters are playing it. They're like, you know what? I don't care if some of these teams haven't played. We know where they're supposed to be. So we're going to speak. We're going to speak it into existence. We're going to let Penn State be a top 10 team with no prior evidence. We're going to bump, you know, Minnesota into the top 25 because, you know, look, if in a regular season we were here in Minnesota – was like maybe six and two or something like that. They would be in the top 25. They'd be 24, yep. 23. That's the spot that they should be at. Yes. So it's all of this to me is like, it feels like you're running, you know, in, in NCAA, right? In the video game, you're running a computer simulated season and you're just kind of watching it unfold because everything's playing out exactly how it would anyway, despite, well, any it's, real it's, evidence about how good these teams actually are. It's performance art. And, and I mean, yeah, this is why, <laughs> that's right. That's exactly what it is. This is, this is why you get so worked up about these polls because where you start the season really matters. Right. Yes. And, and, and it should, you know, when you look at this as a, as a simulation, as an example, like what you accomplished last year as LSU has proven without, um, <laughs> you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, what you did last season really doesn't matter a whole heck of a lot. No. To what you're going to do this year. I mean, they are, they are independent uh, events in, in a very real sense. So now I'm going to, I'm going to play devil's advocate as it is relative to the Buckeyes. So if I'm looking at the AP poll and I've got Ohio state at six, Uh is North Carolina really a better team than Ohio state? (laughs) <laughs> is is Notre Dame really a better team than Ohio no. State is is Georgia really a better team than Ohio State I have questions you know so yeah. and maybe you know more so about North Carolina and Notre Dame probably than I do about Georgia you know Georgia up there all right fine whatever that'll work itself out I don't need to get too emotionally invested in that but that you you know and there again you got Oklahoma State one spot behind Ohio State that's probably reasonable they are you know an undefeated team from a power five conference that said do I really think they're one of the top five teams in the country? Eh, probably, probably not so much, but, but you know, this comes back to so much about perception and, and narratives. And as much as I hate carpet about the media and all that sort of thing, 
you look at the the narrative around like the Pac-12, you got Oregon way down there at number 12. You know, so n- nobody's necessarily taking the Pac-12 seriously. We're taking the Big 12 seriously, even though they're arguably every bit as bad as the Pac-12 <laughs> in terms of the actual one. Or the product. SEC. Well, <laughs> in terms of defense. Geez, I mean, that's go back to that Florida game, you know, that yeah. you were talking about there earlier. You've got, I mean, if you took the over on that one, you know, you oh were, my probably, God. I don't know what the over was, but I think they had to be pushing it because you had, what, 79 total points in that yeah. game? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, for that for that matter, I mean, Mizzou versus LSU, you know, in the battle of SEC bottom dwellers, apparently. Uh, you know, you're at, well, let me do some quick math here, 86 total points good lord i mean now now nobody can hold a candle to the crime against football that was the oklahoma texas game let's get real right yeah of course the the four overtime masterpiece orchestrated by a couple of former ohio state assistants including the man uh whose agent i want to become best friends with so bad the <laughs> defensive coordinator uh the oklahoma sooners football team i mean 53 to 45 the final score in that game 53 yeah. to 45 i gotta pull up my calculator that's 98 total points wow like yeah. did you watch that stink fest no i didn't well good for you <laughs> yeah no i that's i'm telling you man like i'm actively avoiding all this stuff i mean alabama right alabama and Ole miss having what like 111 points or i don't know some ridiculous amount in their game and and almost like a thousand yards 63 to 48 i mean i yeah 111 total points right so i guess what i'm saying like, you know i look at all this stuff and i see these games exist and be played and it it doesn't feel real it, it's like you said it feels like performance art at this point i i think ohio state's going to come in and look a lot more like clemson than even alabama which clearly has some deficiencies and I think it's, I really do think it's kind of professionalism. I think a lot of it's kind of inertia in general. I think some of it is, I think some of these schools are lucky in a sense that this is the setup for their, um, for their season, because I think that even in a regular season, they would have had some tremendous deficiencies that would have gotten exposed a lot earlier. For sure. Because personnel wise, a lot of these teams aren't what you might expect, uh, particularly Alabama and Georgia, I think might have been overhyped a little bit but that Notre Dame I mean it's just that's what that's what's so frustrating about it sometimes because I just don't buy into these teams regardless of what was going on in college football in the world and now you're kind of seeing that play out in this weird kind of bubble and it's hard to really know what's real and what isn't yet so Ohio State when Ohio State plays right on the 24th and then second game against Penn State I think they're going to come in. They're going to be extremely professional. They're going to whoop some ass, but they had better do that because everybody is kind of expecting something from each individual team. They're expecting Clemson, right, to come out and look like a world beater. They're expecting Alabama to be a typical Nick Saban team. They're expecting Notre Dame to look really good and then disappoint everybody at the end of the season. Like that's the, they're, they're just basing this on previous knowledge of these teams. And, and so Ohio state has to live up to that basically immediately. And that will not involve giving up crap tons of points, as you saw with Alabama. If Alabama does that again, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Georgia jumped them or Notre Dame or somebody else because that that goes so far against the narrative that's been developed for Nick Saban teams that 
that's going to freak people out if they. I mean that game. I mean that game. That's a shocking stat line, right? Yeah. That you've allowed Ole Miss. I mean, it's one thing, you know, if that's a game against Georgia, let's say, and you're like, oh, it's a slugfest between the two best teams in the conference or something like that. But it's Ole Miss, and you allowed them to score 48 points. Now I didn't look. I'm assuming that you know there was some garbage time touchdowns in there or something but uh you scored 63 so that's still a thing but it's 111 points it's a new sec record uh and and that's you know something i'm seeing as we look down through the list of these games and maybe this is a factor of that this is such a ridiculous year anyway but the the total in all of these games you know oklahoma 53 45 over texas a&m we talked about 41 38 over over florida uh mizzou lsu 45 41 i mean these are all you know pushing 100 points uh, right. 50, 56 45 in the north carolina versus virginia tech team so it's not even just the the big 12 and the sec you've got you know the the, the acc here which not that anybody was going to confuse that with being a, you know, super defensive conference. Uh, <laughs> there, I mean, even even uh, you know Notre Dame, Florida State, forty two twenty six, like that looks relatively pedestrian compared right. to these other games that we're <laughs> that we're looking at. There was a time not that long ago where you're like, wow, it was a high scoring affair. Yeah, and that's a that shows how much college football has changed obviously and and b it just shows how wacky everything is uh right now so um so that's a good word for it yeah (laughs) yeah i think so too and out of whack wacky whatever you know like it's just everything's weird and different now you mentioned mentioned this florida game i want to talk about this florida game yeah yeah yeah. because something came out of that that i i thought was worthy of i don't know ridicule or uh but if you caught this so florida uh you know lost in an upset to the aggies as as you noted dan mullen uh went on a rant after the game (laughs) not about you know how his team played not about say the officiating or something football related no but it was about the atmosphere in the swamp and and he is hoping that we have ninety thousand people in the swamp (sighs) for next week's game 90,000 yeah. people. Great. I mean, whatever, dude. Just focus on your team actually winning games. I think that's the bigger the bigger issue that you can complain about and worry about. I mean, it just it's such a contrast when you had programs like Ohio State, you know, all summer long exhorting fans wear your mask, social distancing so that right. we can have football. And now now that we're in it, <laughs> we've got the highest paid public employee in the state of Florida. <laughs> Saying we want ninety thousand people, we want to we want to sell this thing out for next week's ball game. Like, yeah, seriously, coach, really? I, it's baffling. Everything about it is baffling, and I don't know. I've said this also about college football and, and this, you know, what's going on right now, and that there's a lot of inertia involved, and when people want something to happen, they will try to speak it into existence, no matter how ludicrous or you know not great of an idea it might be right and dan mullins says that's where his priorities are at you know what i mean like that's how he feels and so he's gonna that's what he's gonna stand for because he believes that's the way to go and um yeah i it might happen i mean who knows i mean i know that florida like lifted a lot of restrictions and whatnot i don't know oh, how yeah. much they, that'll they maintain they could totally have uh ninety thousand people and based on i think the governor more or less said sure why not yeah, go for it. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I, 
whatever happens in the next few weeks, you know, in terms of how many cases there are and all that kind of stuff, I, I think you're just going to see a continuance of what's been happening because of that's what people want. They're not going to change things. Things aren't going to, you know, move or anything like that. Um, because things are already in motion, games are already being played, and so you'll people want to keep that up. They they don't want to go backwards. They want to just keep doing what they're doing and hopefully return to normalcy sooner than later, even if it's not necessarily the best idea. So yeah, I, I think Dan Mullen, as silly as that is, and as you said, the highest paid public employee in the state of Florida, which is not unique to Florida, oh, no, right? No, no. Like that's super I, I, common. I I don't actually know if that's – I didn't no, it's, look it's, it up, but I'm assuming it because the, the head football coach at, at, at a quote-unquote football factory school is almost always the highest-paid public employee in the state, right? Like yes, that, that holds true for like two-thirds of uh, yeah, states. It's, it's, yeah, it's not – I mean, it's certainly the case in Ohio, uh, as, as I'm sure it is, a number of other Big Ten and SEC. You know, anywhere you've got a state school that is the big football program in a – major football area that's probably a safe bet and if it's not there you know it's uh, it could be the basketball coach if we're down in tobacco road uh you know it's in um it's probably roy williams in north carolina right. I'm, I'm guessing so right. it, you know speaking of uh people that were on the sore loser train um somebody else got salty after their their butt whooping uh on saturday i, I wanted to give a shout out to mike leach <laughs> You know, we, we've, we've, we've gotten to talk about Coach Leach a couple different times this season. Oh Sometimes, I mean, he's always entertaining, but it, it, the one place where I want to say, come on, Coach, you know, you make it hard to, you make it hard to uh, say nice things about you because he, after a loss to Kentucky, lost by 22 to uh, a Wildcats team that hadn't beat anybody. Classic uh, coach move, throwing his own players under the bus. That's we're you gonna, know <laughs> we're going to have to check some of our group and figure out who really wants to play here because any right. malcontents, we're going to have to purge a couple of those. Really, coach. <laughs> Three games into the season, we're having the purge. Yeah, uh, which is really, and it's also funny to me because the word malcontent has been often used to describe Coach Mike Leach and his various coaching stops because really. It, it almost feels like you're getting diminishing returns on how long people are willing to put up with this stuff from each, you know, successive school that he's been at because they're like, okay. And then, you know, you'll get that first comment where they're like, okay, Leach, you can, that's great. And then you'll get another one, then you get another one. And eventually they just get tired of his BS and winning six to seven games every year. And as much as I enjoy him when he's happy and when his teams are doing goofy things, there's a there's a limit to that right yeah, i don't think finite. anybody's operating under the illusion that mike leach is a good person like at this yeah point, and, you know yeah and that's you know and he's you know, an he entertaining talks. person which is what i you know i enjoy uh the goofy crap in press conferences but you know and of course this is the same guy who a year ago called his players fat dumb and happy and entitled so yeah. you know, it's like coach here's the thing you're you're at your third different stop here probably where you have blamed everybody but yourself for your team's problems you know maybe if your players are are acting like malcontents maybe they're following your example maybe if your players right. are fat dumb happy and entitled uh who as he said last year act like free agents running around that are pretty special you know coach you you kind of act like you think you're pretty special too and yeah. until you get some more w's uh in your in your record I, I think I think maybe you got to look in the mirror and say, "Hmm." Well, and all of a sudden, I doing? You know, 
that that early season victory doesn't seem so special anymore either. Well, so, not especially now when you look at LSU and say, oh, you know, right. exactly. They're so, kind of hot garbage. Yeah. So that's, and that is one narrative, by the way, that, you know, people did not expect. And I don't think really thought, you know, they would look this bad this early. Which totally no. goes back to your comments about the polling because they started the season and, 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 you know, and let's be real, you're not going to put returning national champions at number 25 in your poll no. in the preseason. Like it's just not going to happen, but here you have an LSU team in the AP poll that has only fallen to where, where did they go here? Uh, did they fall out of the poll this week? Yeah. Yeah. They finally fall out. Because they were what seventeen going into it, maybe that's what it was that they yeah. were seventeen. And 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 at that, I thought they were too high. That's that's what it was. Was I looked at it and they were number seventeen, and I'm like, okay, they're on this kind of big losing streak here. Uh, they're they're a disaster. Why are they still number seventeen? You're riding on last year's laurels, and right. and okay, maybe we maybe we say some of that's because we're we've got uh, some teams in Ohio State or in the the Big Twelve or Big Ten and Pac Twelve who aren't maybe where they belong in the polls, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, back to the exercise and futility that is trying to rank. <laughs> just, just do what the CFP poll is doing and let's check in about Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. And that's really how I feel about polling in general right now. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep talking about it and, and seeing where teams are. And, and look again, you've got one more week of this Ohio state's going to play some sort of football in two weeks ish i mean i guess depending on how you feel about their opening opponent um but i don't know man it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a trip to see how people handle all of this and you know i think they'll just take what they want to see and then and adjust accordingly but i guess that is kind of how it goes so mm -hmm. uh that'll be fun on a bun and i just like i said i need ohio state football to happen i need some more just need some more of this. So that'll be good. So we don't have to talk about like, you know, Florida, you know, Florida losses. <laughs> we can talk about Ohio state wins. Um, so anyway, that is kind of the beginning saying, we'll get to ask us anything here in a second, but we do want to remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by the dry goods store at 11 warriors.com dry goods. 11 warriors.com shirts, hats, hats, stickers, all kinds of great things. Masks, check it out. It's good times. It's good stuff. Uh, and especially as we're getting into kind of colder weather, you got the hats, all that kind of thing. So uh, check that out. Um, check out Ask Us Anything, too. Go ahead and send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. And let's start off with this question. This one's from Tim. Tim says that he had recently been just kind of trawling around the internet for various fun and frivolity and, and all that kind of thing. And um, he says that the... Articles that are starting to pop up now in October uh, that he kind of likes to, to watch are the best television shows and movies and things like that related to Halloween. So Andy, his question to us is, is our favorite Halloween movie? Well, this is going to be a, an answer that's probably going to get me lit up in the comments uh, okay. a little bit. Because, and I didn't realize this until maybe this Halloween that people uh, have a different opinion from me on this. Uh, but I'm, I am gearing up here at some point to watch with uh, my, my beautiful baby girl, uh, the little tyke, my, my daughter, who is the center of my universe, the classic Disney film, Hocus Pocus. Okay. 
<laughs> I have always felt like this is like wholesome fun. Like it's a cute little movie. Nobody's uh-huh. going to nobody's going to uh you know mistake it for an Oscar winner or you know some great um exercise in filmmaking. But it's fun. And 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 for what it is, I, I enjoy it. And for whatever reason here a couple years ago, the little tyke saw it and thought it was hilarious and then we went downtown i think um the ohio theater did like a watch party kind of thing where people dressed up in the costumes uh of the characters in the movie and it was super cute and we went and just this is had a ball so i it's been a long time since i was really into like slasher horror films mm-hmm. uh, when i was a kid i loved you know the friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street series those were really big when you and i were coming of age and I, I really enjoyed those, but about time Saul 27 came out, <laughs> I realized I just wasn't into slasher horror films anymore. Like I had seen, I think the first eight episodes of the scream franchise. And like I say about the first 25 or six of the Saul franchise. And there just came a point where it's like, I, I don't need to do this anymore. I don't know if that's just an age thing or. Yeah. Or, you know, I saw the first two Blair Witch Project movies. You know, I used to watch all of those. And there just came a point where I was like, you know, I'm good with Hocus Pocus this Halloween. And here's kind the of, thing about, so Hocus Pocus, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily dislike Hocus Pocus. Yeah, but I, people I like, I, I realize that maybe it's just social media cynicism in 2020. But yeah. like I saw some people going on the other day about how Hocus Pocus is trash. I'm like, really? It's trash, but I think it's fun. It's 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 fun, goofy trash. Like it's so it's not a good movie, but it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of movies. You didn't, that you I, didn't enjoy, you know, Gary and Penny Marshall uh, playing this, you know, couple no. where the, the sisters think he's literally the devil, and yeah, you know, it's I just it's I get fun. It. I it's get fun. It. It's a fun, it. silly movie. Here's the thing: it has a weird obsession with virginity. I don't know why they keep mentioning that this like 14 year old kid <laughs> hasn't had sex. That's weird. <laughs> like running gag that they didn't need to have yeah Um, and like thor birch is eight like dogging on her older brother who's like three years older than her like Like, what are you doing (laughs) you shouldn't even know what that is why is that a subplot (laughs) um but it's okay maybe it wasn't as wholesome as i uh, yeah they're they're weird Yeah, they're definitely weird. <laughs> originally said. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely weird, unwholesome moments throughout. But it's you know, it's a fun movie. It's a fun early '90s movie. It's it's not a good movie in my opinion, but it, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy it, right? There's yeah, lots of things. There's another, lots of things that I enjoy that aren't particularly great, but it's it's fun, and that's really what matters when you're talking. Now, about another it. one that I really enjoy that I guess I would call this a Halloween film, and I have to admit I'm I'm a sucker for most Tim Burton films. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which you know goes back to my love of his Batman mm-hmm. uh, films, particularly the original one with with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. So I've been I've been a Tim Burton stand pretty much ever since Mars attacks. Yeah. I, I got a big charge out of <laughs> under it. I think it's, that is also a trashy movie, but yeah, still super, entertaining. Super underrated. Like yes, just the, the very casting, underrated. you know, like everybody, and their sister was in that movie. Um, yeah. uh, but, but so the one that I really enjoy uh, that, that I guess I would call a Halloween movie is sleepy hollow. Like I thought that was oh, okay. Not really, where I thought you were going to pivot on that one, but no, yeah, no, no. Okay. I, I, I really enjoy, you know, again, Johnny Depp, you know, can, he can do just about, anything um you know and and that i thought he played that really well uh of course i also liked him as sweeney todd in the the demon barber of fleet street but yeah. you know i really enjoyed sleepy hollow and that's another one i can go back and watch 
more than once. Some of these films that you kind of lump into the Halloween genre, like again, Saul 25, I, I didn't need to see that a second time. Um, right. But, but Sleepy Hollow is one that every couple of years I can go back and watch again. Even though yeah, I know, that one, you know, I kind of know what Christopher Walken is the Hessian, you know, I mean, there again, I love Christopher Walken, but <laughs> that was a very different role for him. His whole attitude though, is really like well set up for Halloween though. You know what I mean? Like his whole, his old demeanor and everything. I don't know. I, I feel like he's, he's, he's like a Bella Lugosi type where I, I think he kind of underplayed <laughs> that in his career. He could definitely play a ghoul or a weirdo that scares people <laughs> on Halloween. I'm, I'm laughing because, um, you know, you and I were were out last week at the the taping of the No Cap podcast at uh, mm-hmm. B Dubs. We'll have to talk about the Ghost Reaper challenge in a minute. But oh yeah, the the you know, so I was playing Bachelor over the weekend. The stunning Mrs. Vance and the little tyke went back to Wheeling to to visit um, uh, her mom, and I decided to stay back with with the dogs and you know not carry any more of us you know back to visit family members. You know, crowd you know limit the crowd size of the house that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So. I was playing Bachelor, uh, must have been Saturday night, I guess. It's like, oh, I'm going to watch a movie. And I'm sort of like flipping through all the various movie channels on my Apple TV and Netflix and whatever else. And I came across um, Pulp Fiction, one of my favorite movies of all time. And I'm going to watch this again. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the, the scene where I totally had forgotten that Christopher Walken makes a cameo. Yeah, um, with the watch. Yeah. With the watch. And so I'm just picturing Christopher Walken delivering that monologue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> has nothing whatsoever to do with the question about Halloween or Christopher Walken. Well, it's it's creepy and weird, and you know it's it's so it's vintage. Oh, well, I wasn't going to say, it, but yes, yes, I had this watch, you know. And, and when you're listening to the monologue, and you just like you're picturing this as a pretty straight monologue, you know, it's Christopher yeah. Walken talking about the history of this gold watch and the various ancestors who who died in war and passed on the watch, and he's like, and he hid this watch in his ass. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> It came out of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> just crack up. It's like, oh yeah. my gosh, his line readings are so damn. Yes, good. yes. Even yes. in awful, he's like he's been in some awful movies, but his oh, the sure. way he just reads lines are just I don't know. He finds the humor, the weirdness, and everything that he says. That's, Six degrees of of Kevin Bacon kind of way, you know. Back to Tim Burton, Christopher Walken played Max Shrek in Batman. Uh, that's right returns the the that's second right. tim burton film where pushes uh, you know infamously pushes michelle pfeiffer's character selena kyle out a window thus precipitating her uh, evolution into the Catwoman. And, that's right and actually when you said tim burton i thought you were going to talk about uh the nightmare before christmas yeah i realized which, when you said that's not where i was going well and he that didn't direct that of. he didn't direct that but he did produce it and he did conceive of the you know the whole idea he really didn't story. direct that i've he didn't know i've gone through 39 years of my life thinking that he de- directed that and he didn't no he was the executive producer and he created the story and the idea and everything and he was but he actually i i, I was looking it up it's some other dude i've never heard of but Harry um yeah it's, he did not actually direct that himself i'll be damned because um, he had all his normal muses in there you know like danny danny Elfman, yeah right of course oh you know is always involved in a tim burton movie mm-hmm. uh paul, paul rubens makes a makes that's a right. in there you know so wow that's i yeah, did not not directed by him Thank conceived you. uh and created but not directed and i that would be mine actually for halloween that yeah i i really love the really trashy awful um slasher movies from the 80s and one thing that always gets me is that much like the Saw movies, they released a new like Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween, basically like clockwork every year in the 80s, mm-hmm. um, which I find really hilarious because they're all the exact same movie. 
And part of the reason why I like Nightmare, or excuse me, yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas is because it is incredibly unique and it's short as hell. It's it's barely over an you know an hour long. Um, but I like I just love how unabashedly weird it is. It is incredibly goofy and weird and strange, and there really isn't anything else like it. And so that's that's definitely up my alley when it comes to Halloween movies. I mean, I, I like sometimes I like movies that are like accidental, you know, Christmas or Halloween movies. Um, you know, like Die Hard, for example, is Die a Christmas one of movie. Great, great, one of the great all-time Christmas movies. For right, sure. but it's not explicitly a Christmas movie. So I, I do like it where it's kind of like part of the you know the overall collage, I guess, of the um, uh of the of the experience but not necessarily the focus but still nightmare uh before christmas is just i freaking love it i think it's it's just a great movie so yeah you know and it's uh, this this could go off into a whole thing on on tim burton alone but one of the things i find fascinating about him is the number of people who show up repeatedly in his works like i'm just looking at the cast list for the nightmare before oh, yeah. christmas and i'm like okay Catherine o'hara and and glenn shaddix both jump off the page they were both in um, um, Beetlejuice, you know Paul, Paul Rubens. I mean, you know, has a role. Of course, he was in Batman Returns. So you just start going down through the list, and like he's. I know other directors do that as well, where they have their, you know, their their Adam Sandler is notorious for that, right? That the same yeah. Coen Brothers people. too. Or, yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, yeah, that was. Uh, there's a couple different Tim Burton movies, just because that he has that sort of. I don't know if I want to call it goth, but whatever it is that that vibe of his you could go through and say these are quasi halloween movies even if they're not right. it's kind of like what you're saying about die hard and being you know, frank and weenie <laughs> frank and, yeah. edward scissorhands i think they eventually made like a, a cartoon or animated movie out of that but the original like short was something my dad really enjoyed showing me and my sister when we were kids well the um, nightmare before christmas was one like i honestly had not seen it like i was familiar with the story i knew what the story was yeah. supposed to be about and i'd seen clips or you know whatever but i never watched the entire film until i think it was last halloween and somehow um our our daughter was like hey let's watch this so we did and i'm like wow that was really trippy yeah uh, it's weird as hell and that's the it's a little scary it's a little unsettling and i appreciate a halloween movie directed towards kids that is not afraid to be a little scary and freak people out how did she react did she like the movie yeah she actually did i think unsettling is a great word to describe yeah. that movie uh when you when, when you describe it that way like that's that's exactly the way i would describe that like I, when the kid opens the christmas present it's like like a severed head or something yeah, in yeah it was shrunken box. Head deal. Yeah, yeah like that's not a that's not a move too many kids movies in 2020 <laughs> would make that's not the that's not what they would go for you know and that's really interesting to think about like movies like that that would this get made today that's one that you'd say yeah. no this probably would never get made today yeah it's a little it's a little out there but i appreciate that and i i value that i think we need more of that well and to uh, extent, but, like if you look at if you look at tim burton's films i mean this is really of course he was he's in his heyday in the 80s and 90s with movies like that you know if you have yeah. beetlejuice batman edward scissorhands batman returns nightmare before christmas uh sleepy hollow you know those all happened in about a 10 14 year period and then you almost see like a shift so so charlie and the chocolate factory definitely a um a tim burton film like mm -hmm. you, you know aesthetic is the tim burton aesthetic but you wouldn't accidentally call that a halloween film uh, same with big fish uh then you come back sweeney todd was more like 
Edward Scissorhands and, and, and those kind of the first group of movies. Uh, but then you come, you know, he did Alice in Wonderland uh, and things really slowed down for him. Now, granted, he's getting in his 50s and 60s at this point. Yeah. But you, you go, uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland. Um, then his most recent film was, was Dumbo. Huh. You know, like I had forgotten that he even did that. That's I did too. Like, I mean, I saw the movie. It was very good. It was very, it was different. It was not at all what you would expect, I guess. Um, but yeah, that, I don't think I even realized that was a Tim Burton movie until I'm just looking at his filmography. Right. Uh, and by the way, I was actually talking with my wife about this last night. Super underrated Tim Burton movie uh, is Ed Wood, who is kind of the master of schlock, right? And, and bad movies. Um, and I think if people haven't seen Ed Wood, you definitely need to go and check it out. Johnny Depp, obviously, yep. right? Johnny Depp. Um, but I think just an excellent movie and, and something people need to watch. Yeah, so. and there again, there was a period there because uh, Sarah Jessica Parker was in that as well and, yep. and was in also in Mars Attacks. Um, so there's you yeah. know, kind of that period there where, again, Tim Burton will kind of bring back uh, people. Of course, in Dumbo, you know, Danny DeVito was one of the uh, – the, and Michael Keaton also in that film, you know, yep. both of those guys were in Batman and, and or Batman and <laughs> Returns. Right. Case, you know, so that's right. <laughs> time it's, is a flat it's, circle, it's, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Everything comes back to All Batman. Right. Every, we, every actor and every character and every director has always been in Batman. Any, very, like, very Steven Spielberg, Batman. Yeah. 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 There you go. Uh, George Clooney, Batman. Wait, George Clooney was Batman. George Clooney Uh, was Batman. Bat nipples. How could you forget? That's right. So that's, it all comes back to Batman. Um, so real quick, before we get out of here, you mentioned this, you alluded to it and which is the, the Reaper challenge. We, we have been kind of on the periphery of the no cap pod with Tyvis and and Jason. I just came over to hang out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I basically am too. I, I sit there, I make three comments and I eat free food and which i love by the way and type wings yeah it's 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 a good time and you joined us at our last venture at our last jaunt where we tried the reaper wing challenge how did you so first of all we had hyped this up amongst ourselves like jason tyvis and i we were kind of like talking with each other like we gotta do the reapers we gotta do the reaper wing challenge oh my god are we gonna do it and it was like you know it's like kids who are gonna i don't know jump off the high dive for the first time uh, and so, uh, we finally did it last week without me kind of interjecting my own, you know, kind of anticipatory nervousness about it. How, how did you just feel when you were eating the wings? How did you feel about it? Were you like, okay, this is a hot wing. What, where were you at with that? So I, you know, I went into it and like, I don't think I realized that that was the thing we were going to do before I got there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so then they're like, Hey, you're going to do this Reaper challenge. I'm like, well, yeah, sure. I am. Of course. You know, if the other three right. of you were doing it, I'm going to, I might as well. Uh, and you know, I, I love wings. Uh, I love food in general. And although I'm not generally a guy that seeks out spicy food, like, you know, if you uh, gave me a bottle of hot sauce, uh, in fact, I've got got a bottle of hot sauce that um, uh, uh, got in a gift basket the other day. And I don't know if we'll ever even really open it. Like that's just not a condiment that I use regularly at home, but I'm Mm -hmm. not afraid of spicy food. So like if we go to a wing joint, I'll probably get something, you know, on the, the medium to hotter side, but it's never going to be the hottest thing. So that's sort of like my baseline. Uh, But I had heard of this Carolina Reaper pepper and it's supposed to be, according to my research, 60 times hotter than jalapeno peppers. 
Um, that doesn't and- seem that hot though. I don't like that was the thing. Like I, I, when I was getting into this, when we were talking about it, I was like, okay, this is going to like destroy my face. I'm going to feel like I'm melting. And you know, it's like a, <laughs> a China syndrome where yeah. I just turn into a giant ball of flame and radioactivity. And I, I bury down into the core of the earth. Like I thought it was going to be the worst possible thing ever. 60 times more than a jalapeno pepper does not seem that hot to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but then the other one, uh, and I don't know enough about this unit. I was, but I was reading this in a, a press release when they uh they when buffalo wild wings rolled out the challenge uh when they announced this new reaper sauce yeah um it supposedly has three hundred and fifty thousand scoville units which mm. uh according to a website called pepperscale.com which i guess is a real thing i again never heard of um is a unit let's see i gotta read read this definition so um scoville heat units are a measurement of sugar water and the Scoville test measures chili heat by figuring out how much sugar water is needed to be diluted into a chili pepper to get to the point where you no longer feel the heat at all. Interesting. So, for example, they explained it this way. If you have a teaspoon of jalapeno pepper, how many teaspoons of sugar water do you need to dilute it until you can't taste it at all? And then the answer then is Scoville heat units. So... Huh. I didn't know. I knew about Scoville heat units. I didn't know. Did not know that's where it was yeah, derived I, from. That's yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. So, so in other words, we're saying that uh, in this case, they're saying it's three hundred fifty thousand units for this blazing sauce. So you would need three hundred fifty thousand teaspoons of sugar water. That's a lot <laughs> to counteract <laughs> one teaspoon of the Reaper sauce. Interesting. Uh, um. Yeah, and that's so that seems like a lot. And I know that it does, know, it does seem like a lot. <laughs> well, it seems like a lot, but I do know that like some of the really crazy ones are like a million Scoville or two yeah, million yeah. Scoville. They go like, into the, some pretty high numbers. Yeah, yeah. Like this, and, and you know, B dubs isn't going to give you like the super crazy one um, because it's B dubs, right? They want people to come back and whatnot. They're not going to. Well, they want you to live. Yeah, you know, they don't want, they don't want grandma. Dead to customers have a aren't repeat and, customers. Yeah. They they don't want old, they don't want grandma or little Billy to have a you know a reaper wing by accident and then sue the company. They, you know they want they want to well and, and the story was that apparently they used to require a waiver. Yeah. Before you would take the challenge, I, I don't know if they actually still do that or not, but that's. I think the um, challenge was like six wings, right? Well, you know, and I'm you and I kind of screwed up because we got we got two thirds of the way there. Apparently, yeah, we could have done it. We both ate four and I look, I, I ate it and I'm like, okay, this is pretty hot. Like it's hot. I'm sweating. I'm, my eyes are tearing up a little bit, but it wasn't eh. like I'm sitting here alone, like Tyvis and Jason are acting like, you know, they just opened the seventh seal and like the apocalypse. I, I was worried about Jason for a minute because he just went <laughs> silent. Like he Jason, just went silent. Jason clearly had made a mistake. And he did not enjoy what was happening to himself. <laughs> he ate like one. I felt I'm going to dive on him for that. You know, um, Tybus, uh got dragged on social media because. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. B Dubs. Yeah, B Dubs called him out and said, well, that the, "Yeah, the milk know, that he had consumed was usually part of the children's menu." <laughs> yeah, it's like, how are you going to do my guy like that? That's Damn, cold. That's uh, really and, you know, well, it's well known that that milk. Uh, I think bread. You know, there's supposed to be things that will counteract the capsaicin and yeah, and hot peppers. I am secure enough in my manhood that I absolutely ordered a bottle of milk from the kids' menu. Uh, <laughs> I had no milk. Well, no, you, you didn't. You clearly were the manliest among us. Um, I, I would say my uh, experience with the, with the wings were, one, I'm glad they were boneless because I think where 
the blazing sauce would really kick you in the throat would have been if you were eating traditional wings yeah and you got that stuff all over your lips and your fingers like i think you would have to eat them with rubber gloves for one thing so you didn't have them all over your hands because you get that stuff in your eyes you might die yeah Uh, but i think having it on your lips because when you eat a boneless wing you're not sauce isn't all over your face like you're eating sloppy barbecue you know you're just popping it in it's like a chicken nugget you know you're you're not you're not gumming the chicken nugget with your lips So that, that I think was a, was don't a big, tell me how to eat chicken nuggets. Yeah, you do you, brother. You do you I live my life. So I think that was a, a big deal. You know, and Tybus joked about these, we need to get the extra saucy wings. Cause that's right. The more right. sauce you would have had, uh, the more of the challenge was now these were pretty saucy. They were not dry yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. No. Uh, here's how hot it was. Like I, you know, how sometimes let's say you're watching uh, a Disney Pixar film and at some point in every Pixar film ever, you will cry. Like that's, you know, that's a thing, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. and you, when you, when you get kind of choked up like that and to where you like your voice cracks a little bit cause you're so, you know, emotional, that's how my voice felt. Um, like the, the, the waiter came over to ask if I needed anything. And like, I, I'm glad I wasn't recording the podcast at that time. Cause my voice would have probably been cracking. <laughs> it was that hot. Now, it was not so hot that I teared up or, or started sweating. Poor Tyvus was sweating. Oh my God. <laughs> was, yeah. Right through was, his shirt. It, yeah. He was, he was clearly, you know, so, but I did, I did ask for the milk and uh, was, was glad for it. But um, so would I go back and order them again? There are probably other flavors I like better. I don't need them to be that hot to yeah. enjoy wings. And I love wings. Um, but I'm glad I took the challenge. You know, they were, they were definitely hot and we walked away. I'm counting it a win. Yeah, I thought it was fun, and you know, I think they're good. I think they're they're not something that I would consume on a regular basis, but they're tasty. They're not going to be something that I would consume forty of, like apparently somebody else did earlier that week. Yeah, that's the thing uh, that blew, which blew my mind. The, that's the insane. That somebody came in and ordered forty. Because here's the thing: what I would say, or I, I could I, handle forty, would actually kill me. I am typically not a boneless wing guy. That's I should say why I wouldn't order the the blazing wings regularly because yeah. I'm a traditional wing guy. So so with that in mind, you know, put me on like a standard buffalo or even a hot where where I can enjoy the heat but not be in literal pain the whole time. Like I don't right. need to be in pain while I eat. I think if I ate, you know, and normally I'm going to eat six, eight, ten wings. Um and if I'm going to eat ten wings and traditional at that, then yeah, I think the blazing sauce might have gotten the better of me. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's all, it's all in moderation, right? It's all (laughs) when you're eating the hottest possible thing in a restaurant, it's all about moderation. Um, So yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's ask us anything for this week. Thanks for sending that in and we'll continue answering any questions that you might have about life, the universe and everything. And uh, we'll also hopefully in the next couple of weeks, talk about Ohio State football uh, actually being played because that'll be fun too. So until then uh, I'm Johnny. I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time.